So I remember getting prepared for this Christmas season at the house, and that involves decoration. And, and like any house, you, you have to have a Christmas tree. Right, Wiggins? You gotta have a Christmas tree. It's just part of it. So ours, unfortunately, due to allergies by my husband, is again an artificial tree. The girls love it because they get to piece together and they don't love the fluffing, but the whole excitement of it all, of putting together a tree with a little point at the top that tapers down is exciting. The red and gold tree when you first walk in and then the tree with all their Christmas ornaments that they have made throughout the years and then the ones they get as gifts is the family tree. And it's just an exciting time. And I know you have stories surrounding your experiences of your Christmas trees and maybe what the memories of each ornament means to you. But did you hear several years ago there was a tree that was worth over 11 million dollars. I believe seven years ago, the Luxury Emirates Palace Hotel in Abu Dhabi was trying to make the Guinness Book of World Records with the most expensive Christmas tree. They decorated a 43-foot tree, I'm beginning to wonder how that would fit in here, with 131 different pieces of gold and precious stones worth $11 million. That's enough, by the way, if you're doing your math like I do in my household, to buy a 50-year stay at a deluxe hotel at Disney World. (laughs) That's how we do math at our house. (laughs) So how does your Christmas tree compare? Although you, you may not have the most spectacular Christmas tree, our sermon text today says that you yourselves are a sight to behold. In verse 11, a little bit further in Isaiah 61, it says, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. And our scripture today, verse three, says they, The believers will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So as we continue in our sermon series entitled Unwrapping the True Meaning of Christmas, we see today that we have every reason to unwrap joy for the coming of our Savior. We can unwrap joy because God himself has decked us out in garments of salvation that are worth more than $11 million worth of gold and jewels. Again, this week, our sermon text follows in the book of Isaiah. I've previously said how Isaiah lived at a time when foreign invaders were making life difficult for the Israelites. But the truth is, the Israelites themselves had also made life difficult. Hear this description found from Isaiah 59. Your hands are stained with blood. Your lips have spoken falsely and your tongue mutters wicked things. Your feet rush into sin and they are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. 
We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice but find none. Truth is nowhere to be found and whoever shuns evil will become prey. We all growl like bears. I love that line. It brings out the emotions that we've been feeling this past month with with what we see on the news. Terrorist attacks, attempts at terrorist attacks. We know the news coverage and we're left speechless. We don't know what to say. We can only growl and moan and wonder where justice is. But as we've learned, it's not just terrorists, it's not just the violence that's causing the problems in the world. I believe so are we. Just because we come to church doesn't mean that we're not deserving of God's anger. In Isaiah's day, there were many who continued to bring sacrifices to the temple And yet God said to them, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to seek right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Would God say something similar to us this morning? Stop throwing into the offering plates the money that's just left over from last night out. Trust me enough to give me the top of your paycheck. And stop singing hymns with voices you use to cut each other down during the week. I can't stand the dissonance. I'm sure Isaiah would say the same thing as he did 2,000 years ago. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw there was no one and he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. It's clear that the people of Isaiah's day were only concerned about themselves. I think we live in a world like that still. And Isaiah speaks, God is tired of it. So what's the solution? Try harder to be nicer to each other? (laughs) I think Jonathan and I said that very thing last night to our children. But that's what other religions teach, not the Bible. Listen to how the previous verse from Isaiah 59, verses 16 through on says, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one and he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sin, declares the Lord. You see, because there's no way that we can save ourselves, God, in his mercy, took matters in his own hands. He sent a redeemer who was the Messiah the Jews were patiently waiting for. The Messiah came when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 
And then 30 years after that, Jesus started his work, and one of the first things that he did was preach in his hometown synagogue to make clear his mission, and he used the text from Isaiah that we have before us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Jesus says these words because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus continues to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You see, as Isaiah foretold, Jesus came to proclaim good news, to bind up the brokenhearted over their sin, to proclaim freedom in the year of the Lord's favor. Let's take a closer look at that phrase. Jesus said that he wanted to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He wanted the Israelites to think back to the year of Jubilee. Once every 50 years, the Israelites were to forgive one another's debts at the beginning of the year so that it was called Jubilee. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's no evidence that the Israelites ever followed through with God's plan and forgave one another's debts. But you can imagine the excitement that would happen, right? We hear stories about this at Christmas time. People go to, to lay away to get the gifts that they've been paying on a little and a little, and at Christmas, and they go and they find that someone has come and paid it completely off. You've heard of stories of, of people within stores passing out gift cards. I've seen videos of this, of, of, of radio hosts and, and news people going in and saying, here is $500 to Walmart, and people go into the floor in tears of how much that's going to bless their family. Just think about how you would feel if your bank and credit card company and everyone else you owe money to said that this Christmas, they're gonna cancel your debts. That'd make it a Christmas to remember, wouldn't it? Kind of exciting. You see, the purpose of the Jubilee year was to point ahead at the beginning of the year to unwrap the joyous news that the Messiah would bring, that he himself would pay everyone's debt they owed God for their sins so that they wouldn't have to fear death or the eternal punishment of hell. Isaiah was so excited about the news that he went on to rave, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. 
and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with jewels. When Isaiah compared himself to a bride and a groom all decked out for their wedding in the best clothes and most expensive jewels, and I read how he compares believers to oaks of righteousness who have been planted by God as a display for his glory, I can't help but think back to the $11 million Christmas tree in Abu Dhabi. Although we may not look like that on the outside, you realize that that's how God sees us for the sake of Jesus? We're so much better than an $11 million Christmas tree. And I have to ask, where is that tree today? I have no idea. I know the jewels were probably removed and sold. The tree was either thrown out, burned, or if it was artificial, boxed up and shoved into a closet somewhere. But that's not what God has in mind for us. Each and every one of us are to unwrap the joy that God has given us in our gift of salvation. And may we be on display. May our light shine as we reflect the glory of God like a glittering Christmas tree Have you noticed that just about every Christmas tree points the way to heaven? Our tree this morning is is adorned with beautiful chrismons that are monikers of Christ and, and stories that tell of who Christ is. They reflect part of of who we are when we take on Christ. But at the top, we see the light, the star of Christ leading the way as it points toward heaven. What if we think back and that hotel in Abu Dhabi wouldn't have had a Christmas tree, but had something of a cross. And because we like the hymn a bit too much, an old, rugged cross. People at the hotel would wonder what they were thinking, what it could possibly mean to have this piece of wood broken and and fragile standing before it. Why would such a symbol reflect the glory of love? But for us, it reflects hope and peace and joy that we can live out in a world around us. That even in times of trouble and despair, we see a gift that God has given, the truest gift of salvation. As we are ourselves a tree in this passage, the oaks of righteousness. That we would stand before all that God has created in this world and let a light shine. (laughs) It's fun to think of Christmas songs at this point, but I kinda have the, the children's tune of this little lot of mine, I'm gonna let it shine.
But we're gonna let it shine within us. We're gonna let it shine till Jesus comes. We're not gonna let Satan it out. Because the joy, the gift that God is providing is this gift unspeakable that he takes beauty from ashes, that that God stands firm within us and offers us healing and forgiveness and restoration and light of all things. So don't live in a world. Don't live in the darkness. Don't hide the gift of joy that God has in you. As believers in Christ, those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, there must be a joy within you, a story to tell, a place to share your birth of Christ within your heart. You see, our Christmas trees at home have plenty of ornaments the children have made out of popsicle sticks and paper. But even in all of that, they reflect a message of God's love, of a blessing in our life, of a hope that we have that they will one day speak of God's love of a blessed peace when they cuddle together at night and a joy they have as they laugh and share their stories. You see, we can find joy in all things, even in the loss of loved ones. May the joy of their memories rest within us forever and always. So this verse, that they will be called oaks of righteousness, that we are called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, may it remind us that after hearing God's word and being assured of his forgiveness, We are now the voice and light for the world to see that we would share with all within this season the glory of who God is in our lives. An $11 million Christmas tree, I'm sure it was pretty cool for those that saw it. but I believe what we truly see is the cross of Christ. And that's why we unwrap the joy for Christ's return. For he is our savior, the one who has married himself to us and decked us out in the finest of garments that we can be ready for heaven, ready for Christ with us. Don't keep that joy to yourself. Don't keep it wrapped and hidden away from the world. But in your coming and going, unwrap joy. 
Share it with your friends and family this Christmas. That yes, Christ is born a babe in a manger, but the celebration of us is that Christ is born in our life and our heart, and we have that salvation of his love. Go and tell it to the world. Go and tell it with great joy. Will you join me as we pray? God, in this day, we give this worship to you, proclaiming the goodness of who you are and how in a little town in Bethlehem, you came to this world to be among us. Lord, we look to you, to your coming in our lives, We pray that the assurance of our salvation in you would bring great joy to us this day. That even times of worry and stress, we find the reflection of hope and peace and joy. Guide us in a world that that is in need of this joy, is in need of this love, that we would see you above all else and that we would be able to stand bold in the reflection of these oaks of righteousness as you've called us, being planted by your love. Guide us to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.